The Free for All Roundtable. Round one. On the roundtable. Robert Turner is here. Hi. Hi, nice to see you. A little bit of chaos here today. Well, it's a busy, but, important morning. Well, we got snow, we got kids, we've got the, we're, we're hoping to, you know, we're banging the drum for the hospital for sick kids. Vas Bednar is here, executive director of the Master of Public Policy Program, Digital Society at McMaster University. Toronto City Councilor Shelley Carroll is here, which gives me ample opportunity to start with a <laughs> delicious clip of uh, the mayor, uh, John Tory yesterday was being, I guess, needled. I don't know who was asking the questions, but a city hall reporter was asking him about these special mayoral powers, and uh, he was a little short. I'll just tell you something. I go, you, you comment all the time, because it's just a fact, that I go all around the city to all kinds of events with all kinds of people from every different walk of life, every different community. You know who uh, talks to me about Bill 39? Nobody. They talk to me about housing, they talk to me about community safety, nobody talks to me about it. Nobody. Nobody. <laughs> Sorry, I shouldn't laugh. Uh, but Shelley Carroll, you were You asked. should laugh, it was funny. It was funny. And, and <laughs> you and I both know um, John Tory so well from the years that he worked here that we can watch him with the sound off on the television and still figure out what kind of a mood he's in. I've been on the receiving end of that tone. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, Shelley Carroll, uh, your thoughts on what the mayor had to say? I, I don't dispute that if you go door knocking, nobody's going to bring it up. It doesn't mean it's not important. Yes, it, it is important to, to very carefully weigh the, uh, the, 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 the impacts of, of having a power like this. We, it would make us pretty much the only government in the world where, where a minority can make things happen. But, uh, um, you know, a minority, there, there's no majority rule. But, you know, the mayor's been very clear. Uh, that he doesn't have an intention to use this power except for very specific things. And just yesterday, the most important things he can possibly do on the housing front, he was able to do with a very strong majority. So he's already demonstrated that what he said, that he was first going to use the expertise of staff and the consensus building in council to hopefully never use these powers. And in his first flush, he was able to do that. We've made a huge, a huge leap forward in terms of creation of housing and protection of tenants in, in multi-tenanted situations yesterday with a with a very big majority. That's the rumor. Uh, on the transit business, front, right? it is largely the Yes, it is largely on the transit front, the province's idea to build new lines. Our job is the base system that exists today. And the mayor has a, a 25 member council amongst which almost no one would argue that we need to invest in our transit system. If he, if he needs to buy new vehicles, if he needs to improve service, he's going to have a majority again, because that's the consensus he's built over time. And so and until these powers ever get used, I don't think he will hear from the public about it. If, if that day comes and he's sort of offside of the public, then he will hear about it loud and clear. Yeah, Vash Bednar, I, I'd compare it to the notwithstanding clause, which previously was not invoked very frequently because governments Except were Quebec, kind of, but yeah. we'll just pretend that doesn't happen but sure. governments were generally <laughs> tentative about invoking it so yeah maybe shelley's absolutely right that these special mayoral powers are never going to be used it's a break the glass strategy I think we have to pay attention to the mayor's attitude here, too, and how dismissive he is and apparently thin-skinned. I think last week we were talking about whether it's appropriate for the premier to tell Mayor Bonnie Crombie to stop whining because she didn't get the powers as well, right? 
So the fact that the mayor is not, you know, allegedly hearing from everyday people when he goes to performative events where he's there for a few minutes and people want to get a picture and shake their hand cannot be the indicator that the mayor's office is using uh, regarding whether or not there's unrest from citizens uh, all across Toronto about this, just like the mayor has, you know, basically exhibited a new form of denialism, right? This summer when people were talking about, hey, the parks don't have working water fountains, the washrooms aren't open, the city feels like it's not working, the mayor's office was saying, hey, look, we're on this random list of top cities globally. So in your face, that's not the same conversation. So if the mayor's going to be that detached... It's ridiculous. I, I don't think the mayor's detached. I think actually everybody who focuses on the specific downtown concerns is kind of detached because the parks in my neighborhood, which is in Toronto, but in the North York part, I don't have the issues that I see the usual suspects tweeting about all the time where they find a problem, tweet it out, I guess, rather than calling 311 and move on. Like, I, I get there's some garbage bins that are overflowing. That's not everyone's experience across the city. Doesn't mean it doesn't have to be dealt with. But we treat individual problems like they are a case everywhere and I don't think that's that's true and as far as you know maybe John Tory's not getting the legitimate feedback when he goes to the events he's talking about I can just say when I'm going to pick my kids up from school every day it has not come up at all what has come up is the costs of everything and the costs of, of housing. That's what people are talking about. So I don't like the strong mayor powers that has been given to the mayors of Toronto and Ottawa because I don't think they're strong enough. I don't think council should necessarily have to be involved. I don't know why the mayor doesn't have more executive authority, but this is the system that the, the current government's put in. I'll be surprised if it ends up getting used because as evidenced yesterday, this is pretty major stuff, Shelley, right? I mean, you've been there a long time doing this stuff. 100%. Has anything like this ever moved before with that kind of majority? No, and, and we're talking about issues that have been deferred again and again and again for my 20 years in service. Uh, but but uh, a push was made to build consensus amongst the new council, and those powers were unnecessary. Can I ask one quick question, Shelley? Um, I'm just sort of curious of uh, doing, I guess, what you call a whip count on council. But I mean, are there blocks that have, emer have emerged post the municipal election? I know that Josh Matlow is being heard from a lot more, and he seems to be the self-declared leader of the opposition. Well, yesterday, the opposition uh, unanimously voted down his uh, uh, push to move a motion that would sort of get in the way of the mayor's housing initiative or, or in fact, take things that were already in his housing initiative and try and make them his by moving a motion. And it 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 was killed by council. They, they dismissed it and, and stuck to the mayor's housing action plan 2023. And so I, I wouldn't call him the leader of the opposition. He's he's uh, often often at times takes a star turn and does not collaborate. But there is collaboration going on in council. And it's around the issues that matter most. And when the public tells us what's really, um, really burning them up during an election period and council members coalesce around, coalesce around those issues, if that can start early in the council term and it's on side with where the mayor wants to go as well, that can be a very effective council. And that's what we saw yesterday. I hope that continues over the four years. But 
we'll see. But it's it's not coalescing around uh, a single star councillor. It's coalescing around around the issues that we heard most at the door. So lots of media appearances and pithy tweets don't equal strong Matlow powers. <laughs> No, the door the door trumps Twitter every time. Shocking. Uh, Naloxone <laughs> kits are going to be required in what people are calling high-risk Ontario businesses in 2023. Not only will the anti-drug overdose uh, drug be available, but people are going to have to be trained in actually using it. Vasbednar, it seems to be a tragic circumstance that you need naloxone in a workplace, but I guess if it's going to save lives, bring it on. Absolutely. I mean, but the criteria are very worker focused. And I wonder if for uh, customer facing businesses, these kits might also be just generally useful. I don't know enough about the sector, but it will be interesting to see what businesses voluntarily take this on. Right. And whether they're able to actually identify the risk. Right. That there's a risk of a worker overdosing um, while they're in the workplace, while they're right, while they're working. Um, and it's very worker centric. It's not about, you know, somebody might be chilling at the Tim Hortons or suffering, right? And at, at a booth, something like that. Anyway. Robert Turner, does it seem to be a circumstance that is frequent enough that it warrants having something like this available in a workplace? I guess in some workplaces it is. Yeah. I would be really uncomfortable being part of this. I wouldn't well, I wouldn't want to be compelled to, hey, somebody's got to do the training to give out the anti-overdose drug, and now that's on you, buddy. I didn't sign up for that. So I can see there being some resistance. It may be the way to go, um, and if we can save lives, great. Uh, it just, it, it, it seems like if it's such a big problem, you know, you don't hear about money being dumped into resources for, I don't know, rehab uh, that might also help reduce these numbers. True. Shelley, your thoughts? Well, Robert's exactly right. I, I, I think there's, there's an attempt here just to get more naloxone out on the street so that it's available, whatever situation is happening around, although the announcement is worker-focused. But again, um, getting the supports on the street um, to, do, to do more harm reduction that goes beyond naloxone, that goes to, to really working with this you know, addicted uh, uh, public and getting them into treatment. We don't see a real push in, in that regard, and we, and we really need to see that because it really is that common that we're having to just place them in buildings like defibrillators because people are dying of overdose doses like they, they die of sudden heart attacks, and, and that's got to stop. Uh, what do we make of uh, Martin Reg Cohn's column today? Is it score settling or is this a matter of concern? He advances the argument that our tribunal system in the province is already a mess and it's been made much worse because Doug Ford and company have appointed a whole bunch of conservative cronies. I hear, is that Shelley Carroll saying? Yeah, I, I'm, I'm so frustrated by this. Um, and, and, you know, a, any political party does this to a certain extent. Sure. So, so, uh, we, we got we to gotta put that on the table right away. But the fact that they allowed this to get so backlogged, they, they seem totally unaware of the, the impact of this. In the rental tribunal, the, the landlord-tenant tribunal alone, what this creates is chaos out there as people get uh, above guideline increases or eviction notices that they want to battle. And 
The fact that they're told, no, you're going to wait 18 months to even have it heard. What happens in the real situation in the meantime? Some tenants refuse to, to pay rent increases, but it goes on for so long that the landlord starts pressuring them. Then they're going to a public defender for, for other reasons. It just creates huge chaos in people's life that this waiting list is going on. But doesn't that it, mean it they also, should just be appointing you know, a lot more of them? Yes, and they're not. They're putting in friends, but then those friends, because they're, and they're putting them in the lead positions. If you put somebody who's not experienced in leading a tribunal, he doesn't know that it's time to sound the alarm. I need more appointees. I need them right well, now. If I'm not and, busy, and he doesn't take hold. If I'm not busy doing like naloxone training, I'll sign up. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> That's a good throwback. Well, <laughs> well and people, people seem unconcerned that the Ontario Land Tribunal isn't listening to development hearings promptly enough. If you go to the OLT to build a building, which is the housing we need right now, if it goes into dispute in this community and it ends up at the Land Tribunal, they're now booking here for late 2024 so that housing won't ever get built till 2026 he's got to appoint qualified and more of them in all of this tribunal system thank it's you no all joke. good to have you